Welcome to Data Dialogues from Equifax, a podcast about how data-driven insights can power smarter business decisions. Good afternoon. This is Elizabeth Fairman, VP of Marketing at Equifax. I will be your host today for this podcast. I'm joined by Nick Oldham, Chief Privacy Officer for Equifax. I am super excited about this topic. We're going to be talking about data privacy and what is top of mind to consumers and businesses today. Nick, I would love for you to first talk about your background and how you ended up getting into data privacy. Well, thank thank you, Elizabeth, for having me here. And as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Privacy Officer at Equifax, a role that I have had for approximately three years joining the organization shortly after um, the the breach that we had. Um, I've been at privacy for roughly a decade. Um, My uh, academic background and my uh, legal background after there is often focused on technology issues. So as a young lawyer uh, in the early 2000s, I focused on things like patent law and the like. And I made my way to the U.S. Department of Justice where I became a cybercrime prosecutor. And the interesting thing for anybody who deals with prosecutions, you think of good guys and bad guys. But the reality is it's about the collection of massive amounts of data and how do you glean insights from that data to identify the harm, the actor, and the like. And I became fascinated with mass data collection and fascinated with the proper use of that data. So as my career evolved over the years, it it really rotated towards how do we balance the great power of data and the insights you can get from it with defining rules of the road to really establish responsible stewardships over the data. Because I think you're gonna hear me say this in, in many answers to questions. We're in a state and society where data is the thing and it's going to remain the thing. And so we need to find a way as a society to to strike the proper balance between protection of that information and the proper use of it for benefits to society. So with that, Nick, you mentioned the abundance of data. I think we've seen almost 90% of the big data generated in the last two years. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the space today versus when you first started your career in privacy and what we should be aware of. Sure. And uh, you have to forgive me. I'm a a historian by by nature. And so I always, when I look at things like today, I have to look at them. How do they evolve? And that's how I try to develop my approach to issues. And uh, privacy is fascinating. I I think if you talk to privacy historians, they'll look back to the late 70s and early 1980s to the development of the concept of privacy law, which is sort of a a flip to the the old thing of the old uh, constitutional requirement of of allowing people to be private in their own homes. You got to get a search warrant to search their homes and the like. And all of that made sense when you talk about the 1980s and the early 1990s, where privacy meant don't look in my windows and see what magazines I'm reading. Uh, or, uh, you know, I have a, I have a, a teenager, um, anybody who's a parent knows that that is the, the least enjoyable stage of, parent, of parenting. But explaining to them, there used to be a time that when you're a teenager, you would do something and you do something silly and you, people would forget about it because you had a right to protect the secrecy of the things that you did, especially as a, as a young person. And if you read the news today, you realize that teenagers growing up today, when they post one thing on Instagram or Twitter and it lives with them for 10 or 15 years, there's no hiding from it. So this concept of privacy was meant very differently pre-internet revolution. And then when we had the internet revolution in the 90s and early 2000s, it was kind of like a wild west of the period. A lot more data is being collected, although not at the scale that you just mentioned now. 
And that privacy kind of changed and evolved to the online setting away from what's inside your house or, or what you may say to a friend in a physical presence. And the way I really look at it is in the in the 2010s, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we really reached a stage that was not about connectivity, it's really about hyper connectivity. And I, I first saw that term in, in relation to a World Economic Forum presentation. And I can't remember when it was, early 2010, maybe 2012 or so. And it really captured this appropriately. Like as we went to smartphones, we start connecting our watches and we got started connecting our cars. We moved to the internet of things. Like this connectivity just created an unbelievable amounts of data everywhere we went. But at that point, the focus is just collect information. We're not really thinking about what are we doing with it or are we going to do things with all of that information? It's just about collection. And as we move now to the 20, 2020s, there's a reality that there's a massive amounts of information out there. I think you, you've talked to people that are outside of the data space. They really understand now companies have my data. In the 2010s, I don't, I'm not sure that was top of mind for them. So we've rotated away from we're getting lots of data through hyperconnectivity to, well, it's here to stay. So now how do we how do we how do we manage this data in order to get those insights that I mentioned from the prosecution days that I had that are beneficial to society, finding bad guys, helping people get access to credit. How do we balance that with this this the fact that in, this is information about humans and they may not want all of that data to be used or they may not understand how it's being used and how it might benefit them. So the 2020s is really the time where I think the focus, the mantra in the privacy world is about responsible data use. So we've talked about what's happening in the 2020s with data. So let's talk a little bit about regulation and what's going on in that aspect of privacy. So talk to us about some of the things that are top of mind for you when it comes to regulation around the world for privacy. Sure. Well, if you're a privacy practitioner or anybody who reads the news, you will see that there's been an explosion of privacy laws and regulations and interest in this area. And that is certainly true. And when I talk to some folks in the industry, one of the key things is how, how am I supposed to keep up with and comply with all of these requirements? And so at least in my own mind, as I've, I've worked through this, I, I look at the trends of what we're seeing as we have gone through that explosion of data collection, and now we're pivoting towards really responsible data use. On the regulatory side, we've, we, we are in the explosion of data laws and regulations, and, and now we need to focus on, okay, how do, we, how do we meet those requirements as a company in the correct and thoughtful way? So I see three key trends in the uh, regulatory space right now. Number one is when you look at these new laws and regulations together, you can really distill down a handful of key capabilities. One uh, great example of this is the right to access. Most new privacy requirements include the right for a consumer to know what data is being collected on them. To me, you gotta look at that as a global capability. You, you can make some configuration features such as what's data is in scope, when do you return the information to the consumer and the like, but it's really a capability. And so instead of getting lost in the details and try to figure out the nuances by each requirement or each each new regulation, you got to build a capability that is configurable to those changes. The second is unlike uh, an area like security as an example where a control is a control is a control, uh, in privacy, ultimately every regulation or law, there is a balance in that society between the importance of privacy and some companies and some uh, regions, they view privacy as a fundamental human right, where others they view it as a economic right balancing that 
with what's the value to society. The collection and use and the insights from data is very important to progress society in the ways that we've seen progression with the internet revolution and now the modern uh, hyperconnectivity environment. And then number three, when you look at regulators, you look at companies, uh, you look at our just normal human interaction, I, I think you've got to assume best intent. And that best intent is the same thing I would apply to regulatory requirements. This is a regulator, a legislature, uh, and the like, who's trying to say, look, we want to find that right balance. And what we really are telling you is do the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to glean all of the aspects and do the right thing, but that's an important concept. And so I think in privacy today, we have to move away from transactional compliance requirements and focus on sort of the ongoing do the right thing. And that's something I would consider uh, under the broader umbrella of uh, data ethics. Well, you hit on a topic that I love, which is the data ethics piece. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago, our conversation around this, and it has stayed with me. Um, so I'd love for you to elaborate on what does data ethics mean to you from a consumer perspective, as well as um, business? Sure. So I'm going to start with the consumer, because that obviously influences, like all of us, that influences how I uh, engage in, in my business. I, I buy cars. I, I, I get a mortgage for my house. I Companies, I have lots of apps. They download information on me. So as a consumer, when I think of data ethics is, tell me what you're doing and help me understand the value of that so I can make an informed decision. And that's a little utopian. I mean, some people may not go as deep as, as I would, or they may go deeper than I would, but it's a basic, tell me what's going on and help me understand where value is in it so I can make an informed decision. From a company perspective, uh, and this, this comes from my years in this industry, that the focus has primarily been on one thing. Is a data use permissible? And that's a question that when I was a, a private practice lawyer at a, outside at a law firm representing multiple clients, the number one question I would get is, hey, is it permissible to do A or B with the data? And that's a very transactional compliance focus. Are we complying with the regulation or law in that particular region? But for companies to be successful in generating consumer trust in data use, they got to do three things. And, and I really think this is exemplified by what we do at Equifax. The first is it's got to be permissible. That's uh, that's table stakes. You got to make sure what you're doing is, is lawful. The second is you got to make sure it's what people really want. There, there are ideas out there. We want innovation, but you got to make sure it's the things that society really wants. It's helping advance society. And the third, and this is really the key to ethics to me, it is define your corporate purpose your value and make sure the work that you're doing is tied to that. That is the ethics piece to me. So at Equifax, our objective is to help people live their financial best. If somebody came with to me and said, you know, I want to do this data use, it's really cool. And we could predict the amount of times that they go to the bathroom every hour. I mean, that may be a very silly example, but it's like, what does that have to do with them living their financial best, right? Is that really what we want to do? That's not strictly is it permissible or not. It is, is this who we are? But if they come and they say, we have a, a new data set and it helps us get a better information about the consumer so both our customers and the consumers can make the best decision about their access to, to credit, um, you know, I think of the alternative lending space, space is a great example. Alternative is a... Uh, a word that people in my generation think of the music group Nine Inch Nails, but in the lending space, it's really a great option 
to allow people to get credit where it's not through a traditional route. That is that is based on strong insights from good data assets. And to me, that's you look at the ethics components of it. Is this what we should be doing because it helps people live their financial best? If the answer is yes, it's probably going to be compliant with the privacy laws and regulations because it's it's at, at its core, and this sounds trite, but it's true, it's the right thing to do. Well, and I love how you describe that because it's really being humanizing how we're using data and thinking about the consumer um, as we think about are these what are we doing and does it help advance society? Um, let's talk a little bit more though about businesses and um, the discussion that they need to have around privacy when they're making those decisions and what they should be thinking about and talking about since they are profiting from the use of the data. Sure, and I'll talk from a micro level and a macro level. At a micro level, the thing that I tell my team is, well, when you look at lots and lots of data about people, it, it, it becomes almost, you almost become immune. It's like trying to pass a, a law for a jurisdiction with 10 million people. It, it, it's like you, you sort of lose, lose the individuality. However, when I, I look at it at a micro level, that is, this is the data about my spouse, my children, my mother, uh, my best friends. It becomes more personal to me. None of us want to mismanage data relating to somebody that we care about. And so one of the key things companies need to look at is, can we have the mindset of the consumer at the table? You know, when we're making that decision about data use, let's not talk about the attributes of the data. Let's talk about this is information about my child or my friend or my loved one or other loved one not to mean my child and my spouse are not my loved ones. Um, it is, this is data about somebody that I care about. Is that, can that help me inform the right decision? So I think we need to personalize, and that's a funny word in privacy because we deal with between personal and non-personal data, but I think you've got to personalize the use in order to help make a proper informed decision about what you're going to do with that data. The second at a more micro, or excuse me, more macro level, is really the pri that, that privacy is an asset just like the data itself. We are allowed to do certain things in society, and I don't mean just in privacy, but in society, because there's a trust. This is the old theory of the social contract uh, that's out there. We give up certain rights to the government because we think the government is good. The same thing with privacy. We give up our information because we think the use is overall good, and, and that good can be personal or it can be societal. And so the other thing companies need to th need to think about is privacy, just like the data, is an asset, and they need to work to ensure that the consumer trust is maintained for that privacy as well as for the use itself. And that's where I go back to something I said earlier. You really have to be able to uh, give notice of what you're doing, but you also have to be able to convey at some level why this is good for that person or for why that's good for society. So that brings me to, you know, the customer experiences that we're all having on our phones and iPhones. And, you know, I know that there's online tracking technology to serve up great things that I need in my new home. Um, and, you know, I, you know, some people debate about whether cookies are good or they're bad. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at it personally that it's creating a delightful experience for me. I would like for you to talk a little bit about what are the implications of online tracking technologies that we should all be aware of and cognizant, knowing that we're all engaging with our the mobile technology every day. 
this is a, such an interesting area because I find this to be a paradox. If you ask a person, hey, are you okay with this company tracking your use on the internet through things like cookies? And they will say, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing that. Why are they doing it? On the other hand, they get fundamentally upset when the ads are so off base or their shopping cart is empty. And so we have to figure out how to solve this paradox, which I think is that kind of tell me what you're doing and why it's valuable. Because things like cookies, well, certainly there's a, a lot of discussion in industry because it's usually used for marketing and marketing has that that feeling for a lot of folks of, well, why are you using my data to market to me? We have to really talk about, well, you know, this could be some as, as benign as keeping things in your shopping cart or telling me what are the things you're looking for so I can make sure you're getting the right information to make an informed decision. So I, I do think there is a balance between privacy and customer experience. And I think that when you deal with a topic like cookies, it gets polarized to, I don't want to do it, but yet my behavior indicates that I'll continue to do it. And so that is where I think privacy or data use needs to needs to really pivot towards education and awareness. I just think of uh, one of the kind of things that's top topic in the industry today, and that is uh, giving consent to apps to track your behavior. And people who have smartphones may have seen uh, seen some of those pop-ups that says, are you okay with this app tracking data across websites? Well, that's half the information. That is, that is an important aspect, so you're aware of what that app's doing. But there's another piece. Here's what that data is used for to make your experience better. And we have to, as a society, get to a point where that message on both sides of the ledger is clear what is happening but also why is it good or not good i mean i, I want to open that up right because then if it's not good consumers in a theoretical sense are going to say no to it so i am uh, online tracking technologies i think when i talk to people outside the privacy space that is the one thing they want to bring up and the evils of it and then when you explore a few questions I think they mostly say, well, it's okay in certain circumstances because I see how it helps me. And so I, I really strive um, at the work I do at Equifax and, and more, more generally as I engage in the privacy industry of let's talk about this in a rational level. Let's talk about this both of an awareness of what's happening but also a value of, the, of, of what's happening when you, when you collect this type of information. We all love the great customer experiences that we have, but I know that many – of me personally and my friends and the community that I am, we're very um, cautious about the security aspect of these experiences we have online. So as we think about the data privacy and the experience, what would you say about the security aspect that we should all be aware of as businesses and consumers? I think there are two sides to that coin that's important to, to really convey. The first side is, I used the term table stakes earlier, you know, baseline, whatever term you want to use. The adequate protection of data is the cornerstone of trust. I trust you with the information. That's the cornerstone. You're going to protect it from somebody accessing it that they shouldn't be. That's really a security interest. But the other piece of that protection is you're going to protect it from somebody using it in a way that's not consistent with either what society says is okay or what I believe is okay there. So it is it, it, the security to me is the other half of the privacy coin. One is access, one is use. I know there's some gray areas here, but both have to be done for adequate data protection. The second point that I would say, and I, I think this is really fundamentals as companies move towards a model where they understand that privacy is an asset, just like they, they did years ago with security, that being secure is an asset uh, for their for their businesses. When it comes to privacy, the interest that it's protecting is slightly different than security. And I, I will give an example 
of something that most people have a basic level of familiarity with, encryption. When it comes to security, most security people will say, well, you want to encrypt data because it becomes less valuable. It, it reduces the attack surface. If somebody steals the data, they can't, they can't, some bad actor can't do something with it in a way that's inappropriate. A privacy professional will say, well, that's really good. I'd like you to delete it first if you don't need it, right? Don't collect it if you can't protect it. It was a security mantra. Well, don't uh, don't retain it if you don't need it would be the privacy mantra. But, if you, but encryption is also really good because we protect people from inadvertently doing things that they shouldn't be doing with the data. It's really a use perspective. So it's the same thing the company would do from a protection, but it's meeting both the security interests to protect against attackers and the privacy interests of let's not misuse the data in the way that uh, we don't think is appropriate. So I, I think security and privacy, um, you know, hand in glove, two sides of the coin, whatever metaphor you want to use, you can't have one without the other, but they are different. Well, this has been a great discussion. Um, to wrap it up, I'd really like to hear from you, um, since you're, you've been passionate about privacy for your entire career, even in your education, what do you hope to see around privacy in the next five years? I think, number one, I would love to see us move to a model that's built around this ethics concept. Because I, I think from companies' perspective and industry, we have a way of solving problems that allows us to to operate in a consistent ecosystem. So I'd love to see us move to do the right thing as a mantra, not comply with insert acronym of new privacy law. Number two is I would love to see in the next five years, and I think this is where we're headed to, is more education around the value of data insights. There's been a lot of focus on misuse or in security cases, the theft of personal information. I would love for us to focus um, as much on what's the value of this information so people can make informed decisions. That'd be number two. Number three is I, I think we're really going to evolve into a model of more permission-based or consent-based data use where individuals realize that they are important stakeholders in this. It's not just a company collects, company uses, or company sells. It is you, consumer, have the ability, whether it's a right of access or right of correction, you have the ability to engage in the data ecosystem as well and drive some of this information about yourself and, and how it is used. And so I think in the next five years, we're going to see more of that. Thanks, Nick, again, for joining us today. To wrap it up, is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, so I really appreciate being here. As you know, I'm very passionate about this topic, and I, I love to be able to talk about privacy and doing the right thing. And that is something that I am focused on where I'm at now at Equifax. And I, I think we are really focused on driving towards a model of data ethics, both internally, but also engagement with the industry to, to move us in that direction and outside of this transactional mindset. Uh, the one key thing I'd leave the audience with is, it doesn't matter whether you're like us, which is largely a business-to-business, -business, um, B2B business, or your direct interaction with, with consumers. The key thing here is when you deal with personal information, that is information of somebody, and that, that, that somebody, the, the value of that somebody, that has to be on top of your mind when you make decisions. Thank you for joining us on Data Dialogues today with Nick Oldham, Chief Privacy Officer of Equifax. The key takeaway, I think, for many of us was not to focus on the regulations per se, but to focus on doing the right thing when it comes to data. And if you liked what you heard, I would welcome you to join us on future podcasts. Please subscribe. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Data Dialogues from Equifax. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button to be notified of future episodes and leave us a review. 
To keep our legal team happy, we'd like to remind you that nothing in this podcast is legal advice, and we recommend to always consult with your own legal representative to ensure your data use is handled properly. Also, the opinions and views expressed in the podcast are not intended as hard facts and advice. They're also not necessarily the views of Equifax.